Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. It's a cold and lonely asteroid that our heroes are stuck on, and someone's about to make it really creepy. Legion of Superheroes number 289, A Cold and Lonely Corner of Hell. Published July 1982, written by Paul Levitz with art by Keith Giffen. Synopsis, a Legion romance dies on a frozen asteroid. So last time when we left our, our heroes, the Legion of Superheroes, they had uh, crashed onto an asteroid, a frozen asteroid, and mm-hmm. they are slowly freezing to death, mm-hmm. even though their Legion flight rings protect them from the cold vacuum of space, mm-hmm. even though their Legion flight rings uh, uh, should allow them to fly around and get off that rock and use their, their protections to go into space. Uh, well, there are, there are they crystals. Are st- Somehow they're still stuck on this on this planet. Yeah, there are crystals that are making the rings non-functional. Um, so it's not merely a matter of cold; it's actually a matter of some sort of ice crystal or crystal crystal actually I mean, forming inside the ring. I know. I would, I mean, I would actually, I would actually believe it if they were like, "Hey, look, uh, coldness doesn't you know any kind of cold makes our our Legion flight rings not work as well, and we need to use our." the basic function of our Legion flight ring to keep us alive, right? The, the very base protect me from, uh, you know, allow me to breathe. Don't let me completely freeze to death. I would, I would buy that. Um, also, you know, batteries do not function as well in the cold as they, as they do other things. Uh, the Tesla, uh, for example, a lot of people are <laughs> discovering that, uh, you know, in colder environments, they don't get as much mileage, uh, because their Tesla batteries just don't function as well in cold, cold co- climates. And then it works that way with many uh, battery devices. 
Um, so yeah, I can, I could see that if they, if they gave us a little bit more of a believable, uh, believable reason why their Legion flight rings don't work. And I'm also curious why Tinder Timberwolf just decides to throw his ring into the fire. Mm-hmm. Well, and the implication, and we actually don't see it in this issue. We, we see it down the road, but the implication is that these crystals have actually wrecked the rings and that the rings are no longer useful because we will see in a coming issue. And it may actually be uh, later in this episode, we'll see, Colossal boy nearly falling to his death and being like, oh, yeah, I forgot to get a new ring after my old one was broken on the weird asteroid planet. So does the weird asteroid planet ever get explained as anything other than a weird asteroid that they crashed into because somebody didn't know how to perform their hyperspace calculations correctly? It's a it's a weird asteroid planet. I mean, you know, it's never comes back up again. Planet. It's a planet. I mean, Kirk never went back to the planet where the Nazis took over and. You know, we've never really gone back to that one world, uh, you know, in, in Star Wars, all the worlds are just one biome. So we've been to like the jungle world and the flooded world and the ice world. But we've never actually been to like the world of flaming tornadoes or the world of just general pleasant weather. So, yeah, I mean, no, there's been no explanation for it. And there never will be. Because yeah, that's, honestly, what, I, that's would, what I was asking. I mean, wasn't want... looking for a long drawn out uh, thing like that. So would you but would you want that? I mean, I mean, if, if I was Brainiac like Five, if, if, if I was Brainiac Five, right, mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, five members of the Legion of Superheroes flight rings were completely neutralized because mm-hmm. of some crystal or crystalline structure or something on this planet. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that if Legion members are ever trapped in Antarctica or on right. Pluto or on any planet that has any form of ice, I want to make sure that those rings never fail again so maybe he would go back and and uh and do some analysis or something or even mention you know at some point in a future issue hey i went back to that asteroid you guys crashed on and i analyzed the structure we no longer have to worry about our rings uh failing us at the most inopportune time see i don't think the cold is what made the flight rings fail i think that the cold is a danger because the flight rings failed if that makes sense. Yeah, but that's but what I'm saying. Again, I would think Brainiac 5 really would go back and stuff. want to find out why specifically it failed there. Mm. And and work on a way to prevent that. But again, okay. Brainiac 5 is a little bit uh, too worked up over, over um, a Matter Eater Lad that we'll see here in a little while. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, uh, we've got Colossal Boy expressing his love for shrinking violet. And she's like, no, I can't or something. We don't know. She goes, Oh, and he's like, what? And we never find out what that's about (laughs) ever, never, ever, ever. It's just one of those dangling plot threads that unfortunately got annihilated in 86 during uh, the crisis event. Stop it. And so in the meantime, and this Mm -hmm. is, this is the other thing that is not really fully explained Mm -hmm. uh, in order to go and find they're missing teammates. Everybody splits up into pears or apples mm-hmm. or watermelons, depending on which uh, fruit you like. Uh, <laughs> and they go out looking for their friends, but right. they should kind of know what the trajectory was to help them figure it out. It almost the way they explain it. It's almost like they're in 10 different uh, sections of the, uh, of the, of the galaxy looking mm-hmm. for their friends instead of focused in one narrow region where their last uh, transmission 
uh, emitted from. So we've got, you, you know, we've got Block and, and Sunboy uh, on mm-hmm. a um, on a jungle planet. We've got uh, Shadow Lass and who else? We've got Shadow Starboy. Lass and Starboy. Oh no, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Is it Shadow Lass? Oh no, I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Shadow I'm looking Lass at and Lightning Starboy. Boy. Oh no, Phantom Girl and Starboy. Yeah, You're Phantom right. Girl and Starboy. Uh, and then we've got Dawn Star and Light Lass on mm-hmm. a mission. And that's all the Legion of, of superheroes that we have uh, as far as their teams. Because uh, mm-hmm. Lightning Lad and Monel and uh, uh, what's her name? Shadow Lass are all mm-hmm. back on Legion HQ. And yeah, we're still, I, I feel like we're missing some Legion members. Well, remember, we are low because we just lost Karate Kid and Projectra. Right. Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel, who had been on kind of a part-time duty, have once again retired. We lost Tyrock. I feel like we lost somebody else recently, but I can't remember whom. Uh, we lost um, Reflecto Lab. That's who you're thinking of. You said the R word. I mean, they uh, had to bring up his whole statue thing. Uh, so on Jungle Planet, uh, Block and uh, Sunboy fight a bunch of lizard men. Uh, turns out that these lizard men were actually uh, crashed uh, spacefaring people that actually needed help, and they just beat mm-hmm. these guys up unnecessarily. They were rushing at them, uh, probably screaming in their lizard tongue language, "Oh, thank you for saving us!" And instead, uh, Block punches <laughs> one inside the head and, and crushes his skull, probably kills him. And uh, Sunboy uh, lights him on fire. And you know, it honestly, I don't hate that. I mean, accepted as much. Here's the thing. It is, this is a remarkable story because we see the five legionnaires um, on the asteroid planet basically being useless. Right. We see Dawnstar being really, really good in this crisis. Right. But you see Sunboy and Block, whose powers are, you know, punching stuff really hard and setting other things on fire, completely out of their element. And while I feel like they're playing a game of who can be the bigger doofus, it's kind of, it, I don't know. There's something kind of charming about the fact that Dirk and Block are just so freaking useless in this story. Yeah. Oh, Brainiac because Five because they're the not suited for anything. Brainiac Five is the one you're not uh, seeing in this issue. Yes, and they're. I mean, they're they're literally tracking a ship. Someone spotted a crash landing. They're hoping it's their friends, and they're so focused on it being their friends that they don't realize that these are actually the people that crash landed on the yeah. planet it yeah it's kind of nice it's one of those moments where oops well you know I mean, it hmm. reminds me of, of like silver age spider-man where something goes wrong and spidey mis misunderstands something and misapprehends it and it sort of spins out of control i don't i can see where you're coming like from it, let me, but i let also me, don't hate it let me tell you after reading and finding out that's like oh these are the people we were supposed to rescue here's what immediately mm-hmm. sprung sprung to mind oh my god the police are profiling uh, and beating up based on assumptions because we're on a jungle planet. Oh my God, these alligator people coming to us must be horrible people from this planet. Let's beat them up first and then decide if they need to, uh, if they need help or if they're harmless. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just like, whoa, that's really a negative kind of thing to portray the Legion as, as a, we're going to punch first and ask questions later uh, kind of kind of approach to anyone that is coming up to you. And I, that's the first thing that came to my mind was, Oh my God, they're profiling in a negative way and they would rather punch first 
than see what these creatures want. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they and had you know, a universal translator. Don't they have universal translators? Um, it depends on who's talking. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Uh, I know that uh, there's sort of a translator function built into the telepathic plugs, but I yeah. don't know that we've had you know a flat-out universal translator. But also... Again, you know, when we talk about last episode, Mm -hmm. I pointed out how Levitz is really showing us, for instance, Dream Girl as smart and determined. And here he's showing Block and Sunboy as maybe not the brightest bulbs at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, but Sunboy's a nuclear physicist. Well, that doesn't make him smart. That just means that, you know, he's skilled. He can do things well. He's also a known womanizer. I mean, he's charming. He knows nuclear physics, but... He's, you know, also kind of a schmuck who sets uh, innocent people on fire. I don't know. I, here's, I, I here's feel the, like this, so, is, this is part of that Levitz thing where everybody kind of right. is, is starting to get a more rounded personality. And Right. I, I, I think I, so. Here's the thing that I think needs to and maybe Levitz is doing this or working on it as he's building these characters. He needs to and he probably did somewhere say, OK, here is my. Here's my want need uh, uh, issue rundown of each of these characters, right? So, like, um, uh, Sunboy is nuclear physicist, very smart, but he's also a cad and uh, a, a hothead, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, right? Um, Literally, I'm figuratively. Yeah, and, and he's going to be he's going to rush into action. Timberwolf, uh, a real kind of a, a pain in the ass, uh, lone wolf. How how how. Um, but is in love with, with light last question mark, right? Right. A super and sensitive so, girl and the jerk jock kind right. of couple. I and think. he needs to figure out, you know, what are the, the strengths and weaknesses of each character and then use those consistently from issue to issue, because mm-hmm. that way in the future, when we see a Sunboy block team up, we're going to go like, oh, these two idiots are going to just, you know, act first and, and question later. And we kind of know what's going to come from that interaction. Right. Mm-hmm. The second thing that, I, I'll, that I'll point out, uh, go ahead if you have a comment on that. I was just saying, I don't know that I recall any other Sunboy block team up or interaction. Or even if you even if you just knew what their character flaw was right. and then were consistent on that character flaw from issue to issue and story to story. I think that would that would help out a great, great deal. Um, the second thing about this book, and I understand why it's being done, is everybody needs something to do. Uh, I am a big fan of let's follow a a smaller team and let them do their thing Uh, here as we're building up to the great darkness saga. uh, Levitz is trying to say, here's what everybody's doing. Here's what their pros and cons are. As far as their abilities, everybody has a little teen drama going on. Hey, remember kids, there's this X-Men title over at Marvel. We also kind of have an X-Men title. Only ours has been around longer and it's called Legion of superheroes. So it's really trying to focus on that team dynamic. That being said, this, I mean, you could, I think you could still have all of the drama in this issue as far as we're freezing to death on this planetoid. Some right. uh, weird things are going on between um, uh, Timberwolf and uh, Saturn Girl. Saturn Girl, yeah. And that may, may by appearances, be a little weird to light last when she shows up. Okay, great. That's, if, if that is the key point of your story is to, okay, there's something going on that makes light last question her love for. Uh, uh, Timberwolf, even though Saturn girl has sensed that he has the greatest love of all, uh, as Whitney Houston would say, <laughs> um, 
look it up, kids. It's it's a great song. Uh, but really, this issue should have been let's our, our team members are missing. We know the last place that they were. Who's our best tracker? Well, that's Dawnstar. Mm-hmm. Let's bring her in and let's let her track. In fact, she does that in this issue. She tracks the team down to where they're at. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. We need to narrow down the scope so we don't have our team, you know, running into the four corners of the universe. Oh, yeah. Let's bring Brainiac 5 in because he's obviously smart enough to allow us to uh, narrow down a field for where, from where Dawnstar can begin searching. And that really should have been the focus of we really need to focus on the best Legionnaires for the mission. And that's something that I haven't seen in a lot of um, Legion stories since we've started. There are a few with the espionage squad that I think you have some really good players in there. And certainly if you're going to go to a backwards Camelot world, then you have a reason for Princess Projectra to do her thing. Um, And if you're a a Carney sideshow, of course, you got Dream Girl. Uh, But really, in an instance (laughs) like this, this should have been Dawnstar and Brainiac 5 taking the lead on this with everyone else standing there going, what can we do to help? And I'm certainly sure that uh, that Brainiac five would say, Hey, you two dumbheads, why don't you go beat up some alligator people? I'm sure that would not have been something he would have said. So I think this story could be streamlined a little bit and still get, and still get the emotional impact that it needs. I can definitely see it. Um, and I feel like your, your point about the X-Men is absolutely on par because remember 7980 DC was in massive, massive financial trouble. And they, you know, what people have said, they have come out and said Wolfman Perez Teen Titans, which was literally X-Men in the DC yeah. universe yeah. really brought DC back from the brink of collapse. And this is a point where that Teen Titans uh, approach is spreading across the line. This is the point where the Legion is really leaning hard into that. And Levitz is really taking, you know, that ongoing plot points and interacting things and characters doing this and doing that and kind of putting it together into something new. And again, with the Legion, we have seen so many flat characters for so long and so many characters who don't really have weaknesses that it does feel awkward for block and you know it it feels awkward for light last to be mad at her sister-in-law for hugging not even kissing just hugging they're not even i mean it's not even i mean the way it's drawn certainly keith giffen here doing the art it it certainly implies that something's going on but they're really not doing anything i mean they're not holding each other in a weird embrace they're really not you know from what you see in the images depicted on panel they're not even in an embrace. They're just standing very close together. Uh, there's the one scene yeah. where Timberwolf and Saturn Girl are kind of holding arms or something, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like you, do. Uh, like you do. But other than that, there's nothing here that says anything about, oh, you're in a loving embrace or anything like that. Uh, I think you can still get. I, I, so I guess my real problem is the block uh, Sunboy story. <laughs> it, it's just it's just so out of place in this because you can still get. Monel and Shadowlass coming back and confronting Lightning Lad, where he feels right. ineffectual or ineffective because his right. wife has died. Um, I can understand that grief and that in, that exchange that they have there. I think that's that's yeah. perfect in this bit. The Dawnstar Light Last bit, really, really good. Uh, you can even have the um, Starboy Phantom Girl plot where right, they where go back. Such a jerk. Well, but they they go back <sighs> to um, uh, Apocalypse. 
to check on things. And that could easily be tied in saying, oh, hey, uh, you know, we're coming back from wherever we're coming back from a mission. Uh, Brainiac right. said, hey, uh, Monel and and uh, Shadow Last told us that we that something weird happened on that planet. We're just going to swing by and see what's going on. I can see mm-hmm. all of that. Um, I, I, I want listeners and readers to pay careful, careful, careful attention uh, between this issue and the next issue that we will be talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starboy in this mm-hmm. perfectly shaved face. That's all I'm going to say. Perfectly clean shaven face as they, as they swing past uh, what we will soon find out to be apocalypse. Uh, now going into this, uh, to the great darkness bit that we have going mm-hmm. on here. Uh, obviously last time when we talked in the issue, you were like, Oh no, that's totally dark side. And if you know, yes. then you know, but I had mentioned at the time, there's nothing, there were no indications that that was the outline of dark side. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there was an editor somewhere that said, you know, I know what we're going for here, but that art that you delivered in the last issue did not look like dark side because when we see on page 12, we see mm-hmm. the silhouette that looks like dark side. There's his yes. tunic. There's his shoulder pads. If you look at the minions that are crawling out, uh, coming to him, one of them definitely looks like Calabac. Mm-hmm. This is something that would clue me into going, oh, that looks like Darkseid. Hey, you guys, you ever you ever wonder what Darkseid's been up to? I wonder if this is Darkseid. Uh, so I, I think here they're being a lot more clear on who the bad person is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do say that I like that reveal a lot more than what they were trying, question mark, to do last issue. Yeah. And I feel like if you look at this again, and I said this last issue, if you look at it with the knowledge that it is dark yes. side, yes. you're clearly going to go. Yeah. But yes, there, when he's standing, it's almost, I can't tell if he's facing towards us. I think his, his back is always, clasped, every time I see dark side, those his, shots his, where he has his hands clasped behind his back in yes. that dark side pose. Yes. I always think of dark side. Anytime you approach dark side, or anytime you show dark side, I think you should mm-hmm. always ap- uh, uh, approach from his rear because that says a couple of things about dark side. Number one, he's in deep pondering thought. And so he has no mind for people that approach him. If anybody approaches him, it's because uh, they need to bother him for something very, very important. Number mm-hmm. two, it also says this guy is such a BA that he fears no one coming upon him. Right. Yeah, he doesn't he's, care if you sneak up. on. Yeah. Him. He doesn't care if you are his, he doesn't care if you're Superman coming up behind him. He doesn't care because he's a BA. And so, uh, I think that that's, that's always the pose that I, that I think of dark side whenever you, uh, whenever you approach him in a wide shot. Mm-hmm. Now you say you don't like Starboy in, in this issue. No, Starboy is a complete jerk, but it's also, you know, one of those moments when they're building to something because it's a really, he's talking about how, well, we shouldn't even be bothering. Our friends are clearly probably dead. We're not going to find them. Space is so big and it's this pessimistic take. And it really starts to become, as this goes on, this is one of Levitz's cornerstones of Starboy is he's a pessimist. He thinks of himself as an unlucky legionnaire and he's like, okay, fine, whatever. You know, they're probably dead. Why are we even bothering to waste our time? Uh, But, you know, when you get down to it, having that is maybe the first thing we've seen from Starboy as character since he killed that guy back in, you know, Adventure 342. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. And, you know, at least he's not wearing 
that Gomer Pyle buzz cut anymore. <laughs> Good Lord. At, at what point, and maybe this is a Legion v- volume two kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. At what point do we start to explore his, is it bipolarism or his, his mental disability that he has where he's needs that to take his is, pills? That is all a Jeff Johns thing. Uh, and it doesn't come up until 2006 or so. I thought that that was uh, a, I thought that was a, a version two Legion storyline for some I don't reason. believe so. No, okay. that I'll, I'll have to go back was, and yeah, the volume two star boy was kind of a schmuck. And then the, uh, the, the kind of like iteration three, the star boy from the WKRP Legion, uh, is the, the dark skin. So he's the black hero, the one that we saw in the Legion cartoon. Oh, then, I, then I'm, I'm pretty sure that when they do that Legion lost storyline, Mm-hmm. that that was one of the big things with it. Starboy couldn't get access to his medication. No, that's when Starboy was sent back in time uh, in 2006 during the lightning saga. Okay. Because that is this Starboy. Okay. Uh, that's when we get into the retro boot where this original version of the Legion kind of uh, reasserts itself after Infinite Crisis. I okay. Believe. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the only reason I say that is because sometimes there are certain people uh, whether they have um, Asperger's or something else, they can have some swings where they just don't interact with people mm-hmm. uh, what we might consider appropriately. And and so I'm wondering if that is, and again, that's why I asked when do they bring up his his mental illnesses or his mm-hmm. mental disability, I shouldn't say, maybe it's an illness, um, because that may be, you know, dropping some some points here and there in his odd interactions with other people um, mm-hmm. that really the only person who can connect to him is dream girl. Uh, so I, I, it's just yeah. something that it's just something that I thought about while, uh, while we were talking in this. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, building that on top of this established uh, kind of pessimism, this established, um, I won't necessarily say a lack of social skills, but sort of a different take on interacting with people. It really does feel like a moment uh, when that does come around that, you know, is built on what we're seeing here. And maybe that's what coming issues. And again, maybe if it was Jeff Johns that introduced this, um, maybe that is the point where he's like, you know, I always thought that this might be an issue with, you know, uh, with, with Starboy. How about I make that his, and I don't want to say character right. flaw as someone who has a mental disability is, is that they're a flawed person. But when we talk about, you know, you know, what is the strength of a character or what is the problem that a character has or whatever it may be, he may have mm-hmm. looked at that and said, well, that is that interesting twist on this character that would explain a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then we flip the page and we get to once upon an insanity. And I saw the, the letters in the font. I was like, oh, God, Karate Kid and and freaking Princess Projector are back. <laughs> stop it they need to they yeah so uh, okay there are some great there are some great letterers that will that will be coming uh in the mm-hmm. future and one of the great things about uh, fonts and lettering and all this kind of stuff is it does end up becoming very cohesive and an integral part of your graphic design mm-hmm. this is one of those points where this doesn't this doesn't match your storyline because this is not a fairy tale this mm-hmm. it, the only reason I think they're using the oldie tiny font is because it's just called Once Upon an Insanity. That's the only reason for it. So that's mm-hmm. something that I think needs to be thought about going forward, but probably won't until the mid nineties. And that's this is 
Actually, this issue is lettered by Todd Klein. And Klein is what I think of as one of the greats, but it's also, you know, this is 1982. When I think of Todd Klein as being one of the greats, I'm thinking 1999, 2000. And I have another question that I'm not sure about because when I look at that splash page, the first page, are the letters, yeah, are the letters drawn into the page Uh, that's what i was going to say i don't think that that's todd klein doing that i'm thinking that that is a carmine infantino drawing that stuff and honestly if it is carmine it makes perfect sense because i it's hard it is i love carmine's work at certain points but he is such a weird weird choice for a legion so it is uh, it is so so there's some there's some weird art I think isn't Carmine the one that I always claim that he just threw action figures up in the air and wherever they landed, that's that's the post that he struck. <laughs> I think I'm I'm pretty sure I, that I, I can't don't. remember if it's him or if it was somebody else, but uh, he does some very interesting things here. I do like when an artist says, "Okay, we're taking the virtual camera off the shoulders." And and mm-hmm. uh, so for those of you that don't know, I do teach video production uh, at all levels to college students, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I try to beat into their heads uh, at a very early age. Uh, is that you've got to get the camera off of head height. We see the world at head height. So therefore, when you shoot everything at head height, it becomes very, very boring. So you need to go and look at placing the camera in different angles and different perspectives. And that gives, and, and that different perspective adds depth to your image. And we see that a couple of times in this issue where we're the camera, the, the viewer's eye, what we're seeing in the panel is below or above or at a three-quarter profile of uh, something in the scene. Right. When Carmine Infantino does it, and I, it just looks freaking weird. First of all, uh, Matter Eater Lad looks more like, <laughs> looks more like a Doc Savage sidekick. He looks he's like... terrifying. He looks like Monk Mayfair. I mean, he's and got a very the- wide, broad face. <laughs> Yeah, and this is interesting because in this sequence, Matter Eater Lad is meant to be not in full control of his actions. He's basically meant to be out of control, and this may be the only time that you can say that Tenzel Kim is truly frightening, but I also don't think that having him drawn the way he's drawn, because not only does he look broad, he looks, like, massive. Yeah. There's there's that first scene where we see him where he's like, crushing what looks like toys with his bare hands. It almost looks like he's 20 feet tall, smashing yes. human sized items. And yep. I'm just like, yep. And then the, and then the below shot of Brainiac five, also on that same page, very awkward mm-hmm. angle to draw, uh, especially mm-hmm. when, well, when you're dealing with something that's essentially super flat, like a, a 2d drawing. But and then on the, even on the next page, when we, again, we look at every panel that we see matter eater lad in, he looks like he's taller. Again, this is the perspective and, and distance between uh, Element Lad and Brainiac 5 and uh, Matter Eater Lad. Again, he looks really big. And then we also see this really weird, awkward profile shot of uh, mm-hmm. of Matter Eater Lad that just makes him look like he's got a super wide, uh, stretchy face. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you don't remember, uh, Matter Eater Lad went a little bit um, insane when he mm-hmm. ate the Miracle Machine. And that has right. bothered Brainiac Five for apparently ten issues now, mm, and so he's more coming like 30. in thirty. I think he ate the Miracle Machine in issue two fifty. He's come back to check on his friend to see if he can help, and the friend is completely out of control. And so they try to 
knock him out with some inertron, but uh, Matter Eater Lad just bites right through that. Uh, Brainiac Fives tries to knock him out with some knockout juice and, or I'm sorry, some tranquil gas. But that is shot out of his hand by someone that we all know, Matthew. We all know Dr. Uh, Raxlium. <laughs> Doctor, you remember Dr. Rixalem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course yeah. we do. It's it's everybody oh, yeah. is like Doc, as soon as they wake up, Brainiac Five is like, Dr. Rexlium, I haven't seen your six arms and your two legs and your bug-eyed head uh for like 30 issues now. What's going on, dude? And he's on his Segway uh riding around going, Oh, I'm sorry, he's got eight arms. <laughs> eight arms and a Segway. Yeah. Um and now here's the thing. The reference to Brainiac 5 being in the asylum where Matter Eater Lad is, right. is that's, actually that's a reference canon. back. Yeah. yeah. That is canon. Yeah. It's a reference back to, uh, what was it, issue like 251, something like that? I don't that. remember the issue uh, number, it's, but it's, it's, it's the, the Steve time Apollo when... story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember the Steve Apollo. I, I try not to, but yes. Steve Apollo 13. You remember when that happened. But Dr. Rexalaxalum has never appeared before in the book. He he literally did not exist before this issue. And Dr. Rixalum actually rhymes with Dr. Redcon. <gasps> <What? laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't rhyme. Yeah. Um, he's okay. got, he's got eight arms and his face is shaped like, like a, it's like a fish bottom. Like a, yeah. And it's <laughs> like a fish. fish. It's just, so it's anyway, weird. Dr. Rixalum, uh, I think if you say his name backwards, he goes back to the, uh, the, the dimension <laughs> six for 30 days. Well, it's the eighth dimension because he's got dimension. eight arms. Yes. That's what it uh, is. So anyway, Dr. Rick's Liam turns the force field that's been keeping Matter Eater Lad at bay uh, to encapsulate both Brainiac 5 and uh, Element Lad in there. And then he turns it on to shrink because, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you want to do when you have a force field is a, have a switch that says make smaller so that you potentially kill anyone inside. That's that's okay. brilliant thinking by the scientists. Here's the thing, though. Canonically, he's a brainiac, and brainiacs are known for shrinking things. Brainiacs shrink planets. Brainiacs shrink people. I mean, that's why we have Candor. If nothing else, it, and I'm not saying it's not a stretch. I agree with you that it's a stretch, but it's, it's a, a stretch. stretch. Yeah, it's a stretch from 1961, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to a new stretch here. So here's so. the other thing that's that's an immediate problem. That again, I, I don't know how comics uh, work in these days. Uh, today, usually the artist or the 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 writer will write the script, send it off to the artist. The artist will do some proofs. Uh, usually, the huh. uh, depending on you know what the collaboration is, uh, hmm. the writer may be super detailed. The writer may not be super detailed and leave it all up to the artist. But at some point mm-hmm. the writer and the artist need to come together and say, okay, let's see what you got. And let's see if it aligns with my vision of what I was writing with this story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as Brainiac and element lad are approaching the containment center where matter eater lad is at, uh, we look across the vast field and we see large tiled plazas as far as the eye can see with some few br- uh, bushes here and there, here and there. And then Brainiac 5 is now trapped in this shrinking bubble. And the next thing he says, this flower is all I require to set us free. <laughs> and we're like, wait a minute. Okay, where where did this flower come from? And then we find in out his pants. Well, it's got to be because on the very next page, Brainiac says, as everyone knows, these mental facilities are equipped with a garden uh, for every uh, for every uh, patient. And nowhere in any of the panels have we seen. Was there anything that remotely looked like a garden either inside the facility or inside the bubble dome in which these guys were at? So this is a huge 
error in in stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so I just have to go, okay, this is a huge leap in logic. Where did this plant come from? They do try to explain it in another panel, but nothing visually backs that up. Yeah, it really does look throughout there with, that the boys, the three, the three lads, uh, Element, Matter Eater, and uh, Brainy Lad 5, are laying on, as you mentioned, yeah, concrete, concrete, concrete slab. slab. Yeah. And I, I, I actually agree with you, and I didn't notice it until you mentioned it. But I'm also like, is that the biggest problem with the art <laughs> in this issue? Because no, no, when we no. see I mean, him there's a lot of art hold issue. the flower up to Element Lad, Element Lad is, first of all, he's dead, but he's flexing. And he looks like Macho Man. I was going to say he looks like uh, what's uh, Stretch Armstrong when he's in his resting state. And then in the next panel, he sneezes because everyone knows that traumites are allergic to flowers. No, 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 not flowers. Pollinating Pollinating flowers. flowers. So all they had to do, all Brainiac had to do instead of instead. And I hate it when people do this. They Mm -hmm. they try to make lengthy explanations for something that is done in like three words. He's got seasonal allergies. That's all they had to say. I used your intense tromian allergy to pollinating flowers to wake you. Yes. Again, it's uh, brainiac. I used, I used your I can... season. I used your seasonal allergies to uh, to make you sneeze. In the meantime, <laughs> I'm going like to use this. He sits straight up like the Undertaker yes. and goes, "Hello, I am no longer dead." Yes, uh, I will use this inertron uh, gimmick once again. Uh, because everyone knows nothing can crush a neutron, not even a shrinking containment uh, force field. And then the feedback causes the thing to blow up. Everybody's safe. Uh, they decide to fireman carry Matter Eater Lad off into the sunset. Because that's, you know, that's what you do. And Dr. Rexliam, Dr. Rexliam, who has been absent since the time he turned the force field to shrink and started mm-hmm. to wander away, has suddenly been captured. You would think in the 15 minutes or so that this thing was shrinking down that uh, that he would have gotten to his spaceship and flown away. Well, I mean... To come back Dr. another day. Dr. Requiem is not the, the brightest bowl at the bottom of the bowl barrel, uh, is what I'm saying. You think but, he'd be really effective, like, in... in uh, Arm wrestling, or...? No, I was going to say, like, manual labor kind of things, right? Because he's got the eight arms, he can do a whole bunch of things. Well, like, can you use both of your arms simultaneously? Yes, I can. Can you like write with one hand and eat with the other at the same yes, time? Yes, I can. Can you write with the other hand and eat with the one that you were writing? I can. With? I can kind of write. I'm not ambidextrous, but right. uh, but yeah, I can do multiple things at the same time. I, I can drive and drink coffee. I can do that, or uh, like I can operate a computer and a telephone at the same time. So, that's that's great, man. Yeah, uh, it is. It's cool. uh, so uh, yes, so this issue overall. I didn't hate it. I thought it was pretty good. I, I actually enjoyed the yeah. stories. I actually enjoyed the stories in here quite a bit. Thought the first mm-hmm. one could be streamlined. Uh, I thought the second one had some real continuity errors that mm-hmm. uh, don't make a lot of sense in the end. I agree with you on the continuity error. I feel like a lot of this is really kind of, I mean, we've seen this since Levitt's returned. He's kind of moving things around and, He's showing us on the page some of the changes that he's wanting to make to the Legion. And you can see the building blocks of what, you know, what I think of as one of the Legion's golden ages coming together. And the moments that we get, you know, the moment of uh, Lightlass and Timberwolf are now fighting or Lightning Lad is kind of falling apart at the seams and Starboy is a jerk. And all of this stuff is going to go places. And I really appreciate 
in you know in retrospect at least getting a chance to see these these kind of these building blocks coming together of what will become the Levitz Giffen era. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Legion of Superheroes Annual Number One Monster in a Little Girl's Mind. Published August 1982. Written by Keith Giffen on plot with Paul Levitz on plot and script. Art by Keith Giffen. Synopsis. It's all-out war, and the last line of defense is the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Okay, fantastic time. We get our very first Legion of Superheroes annual. Uh, 25 years in. So this, though, but I will say, and you and I have had long conversation about annuals. This is Mm -hmm. around the time when DC started saying, hey, we can do these annual things and make Mm -hmm. them literally an annual event. And so you get a number of annuals uh, going forward. I forget, like, I always looked forward to the Detective Comics and the Batman uh, annuals Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, we know we're going to get a special story in this. It's going to be a bigger issue. It's going to cost a little bit more. But I know I'm going to get something really cool in in these books. And we kind of do in in this one, uh, Legion of Superheroes annual monster in a little girl's mind. Keith Giffen on the plot, Paul Levitz on the plot and the script and, and Giffen doing the art on this. This is where we get to see uh, uh, Siobhan uh, become Aaron Siobhan become a or Siobhan Aaron, sorry, a uh, regular member of the Legion of Superheroes as the liaison between the Legion and the United uh, Affiliation of Police. Yep. And I've actually seen online people saying this is the first appearance of Siobhan Aaron. And no, 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 it's not. It's not. Odd. No, we've uh, seen but you her also before. have to think that Siobhan came around during that first Levitz era, like two, three years ago, like 1978. But yeah, she appeared like three times. And then here she becomes, you know, a big deal. She becomes really part of the cast and kind of gets a character. Mm-hmm. And I really love the kind of the, the framing sequence or the, the framing device of this issue that we are seeing all of this coming to us as reports from Siobhan to chief Zendak of the science police. So, right. you know, you get through here and it's like, Oh, here's a report from Siobhan. Bad yeah, things as, are happening. As things are going, fire. as things are going uh, wrong inside, she's giving her first person account on stuff, which I found really cool, including the, the thing that it's like, Hey, if we can't get this under control, you're going to have to nuke the facility from orbit. And there, and the reply is back. It is the only <laughs> way. Um, but yes, I also like the fact that when uh, Aaron is, walking up to the building for the first time, the security system tries to apprehend her because her data isn't into the system yet, or at least that part yet. And wildfire is like, Oh man, this brainiac guy, he doesn't have his stuff together when it comes to this. That is a great foreshadowing moment that something is not right with computers and systems Mm -hmm. because this is the return of computo, which, you know, is uh, also the, we get to see the reflecto statue uh, in the, in the Legion headquarters, uh, which of course is very cool. So the guy who killed a legionnaire is back. So one of the yes. most terrible things that has ever happened in Legion history is here yes. in that we see the reflecto statue and also <laughs> computer is back. Yes. And so here's, here's a couple of interesting things from the first page. Uh, the roll call mm-hmm. lightning lad, center girl, Monel, element lad, cosmic boy, light last dream girl, 
Dreamgirl is got a, a thought balloon. I don't really understand that. Mm-hmm. They do list Duo Damsel here She's as a reserve member. Member Phantom Girl, mm-hmm. Chameleon Boy, Shadow Lass, Colossal Boy, Timberwolf, Wildfire, Brainiac Five, Dawnstar, Ultra Boy, Star Boy, Block, Shrinking Violet. Again, I'm not really sure, you know, if they're doing this in the order in which they joined the team or something else, no. because these are definitely not an uh, alphabetical order. Ultra Boy, Star Boy, Block, Shrinking Violet, Sun Boy, Bouncing Boy, Reserve Member, plus several guests and question mark. Blang. Because they separate Saturn Girl from uh, from Cosmic Boy. So it can't be in joining order because Saturn Girl, yeah. Lightning Lad, and Cosmic Boy all joined at the same time. But it is interesting, and I kind of look through this, and I'm, I'm wondering if this isn't in the order of Levitz's fave raves top to bottom. It could be. It could be. Because, you know, Block and Sunboy, who just got punked out last issue at the very bottom with Shrinking Violet. Yep. I'm just saying. Yep. I I do want to point out, uh, so the reason why things, why Computo comes back is because there's a little girl who has a disease and Brainiac 5 Mm -hmm. is like, well, we have technology here at the Legion HQ. And of course, I'm Brainiac 5, a 12th level intellect. I can cure her. And so her her older brother comes along with her. I should Mm -hmm. point out that these are two uh, black uh, characters uh, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we got rid of Tyrock for no reason. uh, So we've got to bring uh, this person in. Uh, The older brother's name is Jacques Foucault. um, Foucault. Foucault. And I should point out that it's like, oh, okay, there's got to be. Why does this name sound so familiar? Why does this name sound so familiar? And that's because there actually is a Jacques Foucault uh, out in the world. He is actually uh, the French ambassador to like um, uh, Africa uh, as a continent. Uh, it's kind of really weird to say that. I, I do realize that Africa has many countries, but he was in charge of basically taking all of the old French uh, colonies, all the old French uh, controlled countries and being in charge of the African affairs. He was the chief advisor to French president on African affairs, and he was apparently very popular for some reason, I don't really know anything about this guy, except the name was super familiar, maybe because of Legion of Superheroes. This guy was born in 19. I'm trying to say, 13. I think it was 1913 is when he was born. He didn't mm-hmm. die until 97. So the comic books are using the name of a person who is actually living mm-hmm. for a character in the comic book. And it's not like, oh, that's a weird coincidence. This is a case of this is not a coincidence. That is such an oh. uh, an interesting name to use that there has to be a reason for it. And I could not find anything that said, why did Levitt's name this character uh, who will become Invisible Kid too, Jacques Foucault? Well, Jacques and his sister Danielle are from the Côte d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast mm-hmm. of Africa, the actual republic. And I kind of wonder, I've never heard anybody say this, but I always kind of wondered if Jacques was not named in universe uh as an actual kind of oh, a kind reference of a, a reference to, or an homage to yeah to, to the actual historical figure because again you know the the historical Foucault was one of the people who was actually helping to you know stabilize that regime yes. or I mean, that area uh, from what i said for everything that i read on him on his Wikipedia yeah. page, because that's all the research I was going to do for for that name. Um, you know, he <laughs> seemed he seemed very well liked and very much respected. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's and why they did that. I, I think it is. I think it's an intentional reference to that area where they grew up because Jacques is from a French speaking area 
uh, of the African continent. Yes, because he and says Monwi so much. He does not say Sacre Bleu. He says No, he says Sacre Coeur. Sacre Coeur, my heart, sacred heart. Yes, whatever. Le Franche, you see, I have Le Franche. So anyway. But he has, uh, they're trying to let us know that he has an accent because accents are all the rage. You got your German accent for your night crawler and your, your Russian accent for your Colossus. Yes. And yes, different. You different got company. your Canadian accent for your Wolverine. Hey, I'm the best there is what I do or so something. So anyway, while Brainiac is performing the surgery, turns out the computer's overload and we find out the Computo has infected this young girl's mind. And mm-hmm. the girl throughout this issue goes completely exorcist on this. Totally oh. gl- goes, uh, the, what's the little girl's name? Uh, uh, Danielle Foucault. No, no, no. Well, no, I meant uh, in The Exorcist. Oh, Regan. Regan, yeah. Goes full on Regan to the point where her face is, you know, uh, blistering and she's drooling and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, man, the only thing that's missing is her crawling upside down uh, on the ceiling and spitting uh, <laughs> peas, uh, strained peas at uh, at her brother. The ceiling thing is from The Exorcist 3. If I'm yes, not it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Creepy, creepy spider girl running down the stairs. Uh, is creepy no matter how you do it, whether she's on the ceiling or on the floor. Anyway, while Computo is taking control of this girl, basically mm-hmm. takes control of all of the Legion HQ and starts mm-hmm. to bring things to life. So in the case of um, uh, Cosmic Boy, who goes and gets a different costume change, he now goes with pink and black instead of his skin uh, and, and his and his weird uh, bustier thing that he was wearing for several several issues. That's a great uh, suit, by the way. The new suit is very good. Uh, and all of a sudden, all the metal is attracted to him and is crushing him down. We get to see um, uh, Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl cooking dinner, and dinner goes all crazy, and the kitchen tries to blow up on them. <laughs> uh, we see Sun Boy and uh, Star Boy playing their Star Dungeons Boy. and Dragons uh, um, game, and the game goes crazy and starts attacking him. And oh, remember when I said a little bit ago, listeners, pay attention uh, because uh, in the last issue, which is mentioned multiple, multiple times in this book and in the last book, one week has passed since the release of issue 289 and the Legion of Superheroes annual number one. Starboy got a full on beard growth in one week. That is that is not that's not how a beard doesn't grow that fast in a week. Sorry. I would like to point out the existence of our friend Rodrigo uh, from the Major Spoilers <laughs> podcast. And No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Rodrigo, even in a week, does not grow. And I've been around Rodrigo a lot more than you have. Rodrigo doesn't grow a full-on beard like that in, in one week. This All right, I is, have an explanation. This is, would you like to hear my explanation? I would like to hear the explanation because one week has passed. Okay. So, your face has follicles no your face has follicles your mom's a follicle in your face there are follicles and the hair in those follicles are there right now starboy controls gravity what if starboy used his gravitational powers to pull the hair further and further from his face right and as his hair grew out he would pull the hair further and that's how that would also need to be explained by he has you have to actually, it's not like your teeth. It's not like baby teeth or permanent teeth, which are, you know, born with all those creepy teeth up in your skull and they eventually pop out. Your hair has yeah, to actually grow. You know, you don't have yeah, the hair is actually all wound the up hair, in your brain. It's like, oh, no, it's not. Anyway, it's like the, uh, the, element, the little element pocket lad. fisherman from Ronco. 
Each follicle is a tiny pocket fisherman, and each fisherman is filled with, okay. Element Lad is trying to get in, but the system is working against him. Uh, Bouncing Mm -hmm. Boy and Duo Damsel are too shook up to go and do this, which I thought was really interesting because when I first looked at the, um, the list of the, the members, I had first time I read it, I was like, Oh, I didn't see duo damsel's name in the roll call. And I was like, that's right. probably a pretty good idea considering that uh, this is a whole computer thing. But then it's, and I was like, that's good because she would have some kind of an emotional shock to this. And I'm glad that they play that out here, even going so far yes. as to kind of ripping off uh Lichtenstein uh, with a uh, crying uh, duo damsel. Um, and then bouncing boy going, Oh, you know, I never really thought about the fact that one third of you was murdered by computo. This all happened before I joined the Legion. So I guess I, I'm not that sensitive enough. And she's like, you're horrible. And he's like, I know. And she, <laughs> she kisses him and they're in love. But this is also one of the first times that we really see the emotional toll. Oh yeah. There's PTSD going on. This is PTSD, man. Oh yeah. And it's amazing because his wife is in emotional like jeopardy and she literally cannot bring herself to face Computo. And his response is, I'm going to stay here and take care of my wife. Yeah. And on the one hand, I'm like, that's sweet and that's wonderful. And on the other hand, I'm like, I believe he has faith in his friends because otherwise this seems like a real jerk move yeah. to leave them without, you know, the mighty power of bouncing and being two women. Yes. I mean, uh, these guys are powerhouses. Also, just because we want to cram as many people in here as we can, let's flash mm-hmm. back to 1969 AD. Burr, that's a weird chill that I got. Okay, moving on. Uh, so everybody is inside the Legion Clubhouse uh, trying to, or I guess I should say HQ, trying to mm-hmm. to get out, including, uh, uh, and now I can't even re- remember that he's, uh, that he's uh, Timberwolf because he's got his head shaved down. But Timberwolf and Block have a moment of just goofy dumbness. Uh, eventually, Block is deciding to go swimming in this issue. Which, in a yeah, whatever. Uh, you're you're a rock. Anyway, uh, at oh. one point, everybody mm-hmm. inside the operating room is trapped. So that would be Jacques. That's Brainiac. That's Monel. That's Dream Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what Brainiac slowly does is he gets his uh, psychic plugs to put into Jacques ears and he tele- uh, telepathically communicates with him to say, Hey, there's an invisibility serum over there. If you can get over and get the invisibility serum, then you should be able to shut down the system. The problem is this could kill you at which point your sister is definitely going to die. Right. You could become invisible in which case uh, you can shut down the system. Your sister may still be dead and this will be irreversible or see um, we're all dead. So, Jacques is like, okay, I will do the right thing. I will take this serum. It's it's really exciting. A lot of great action going on. I will take this serum, become invisible, and save my sister and shut down Computo, which he does. Uh, In the process, he becomes the second invisible kid. And everyone's like, we should uh, let him join the Legion right away. And everyone's like, are you sure? He hasn't even gone through through the training academy. We need to bring up those other two dorks that we saw 10 issues ago and, <laughs> and uh, make them members. And they're like, Block is like, no, no, no. Uh, you brought me in just because I helped out. So you should do the same thing with Jacques. And Jacques is like, yes, I will do this. Uh, and um, I will become a member of the Legion of Superheroes. I think it's funny that it's wildfire making the argument for Lamprey and Nightwing, the two mm-hmm. pretty girls who kissed him. Mm-hmm. And made him explode a few episodes ago. But Mm -hmm. I do like a block makes a point that both he and wildfire 
were added to the Legion during a time of crisis when they were shorthanded. And, and, you know, having a new invisible kid, I feel, is a good call. Because I never felt like there was a reason to kill Lyle the Invisible Kid back no, in there wasn't. No, there wasn't. But this issue also gives us something that I kind of enjoy, where you know you have all of these characters doing their little interactions, and you have the dance of Shadow Lass. It's Computo. I don't even know what a Computo is, you guys. Yeah, and. Colossal Boy and Shrinking Violet are off doing coupley coupley things and they're trapped and interesting. You know how we've talked about uh, Levitt's bringing um, Colossal Boy's uh, Jewish background into the the story. He actually says, and I pronounce it Gutenayu. Some people say Gutenayu, but basically it means good God at one point when Computo fires their ship out of Legion headquarters yeah, into space. at high speed a, to their to the doom. doom, to the dome. Yeah. 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 It'll crash into it's, the dome. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, the moments where I'm like, Hey, gratuitous Yiddish. It's really kind of cool. But uh, there's also a beautiful shot of the subs trying to get there to help. Yeah. And the science police going, man, you can't get in there. I don't yeah. care if you're the Legion of super pets, you're not getting any closer. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is the point where they decided that the subs were a joke, right? He, everything uh, that know. comes I after. I, I, I don't think so. I think, as a, I think it's a science police person going, look, if the Legion themselves can't take care of it, you guys certainly aren't going to do anything. I um, believe that Keith Giffen decided that the Legionnaires were a joke. The Legion of Substitute Heroes are a joke. And this is where it starts. And it's all yeah, maybe. just a slippery slope. Maybe a slippery slope. Uh, this book is full of action. I definitely recommend checking this out. Now they don't save the the little girl in the end. She's got to be locked away in a bubble chamber with Computo mm. still inside her. And Brainiac swears, "I swear, I will never stop trying to save your sister, just like <laughs> I have never stopped trying to save Matter Eater Lad." And we saw how that yeah. turned out. Uh, have you met my new uh, my new associate, Doctor Rexliam? He's here to help. <laughs> And also, we do get a very important piece of Legion history just thrown out by President uh, Marta Allen. The policy is no Green Lanterns on Earth yeah, ever Yeah, yeah I like that, too. I like that, too. I, I do like And that. I'm like, that stupid Hal Jordan ruined no, everything. It's not Hal Jordan. It's Hal frickin' Jordan. It's always Hal frickin' Jordan. Now, I'm sure if it was a Gold Lantern that showed up, they would have no problem. But that's a whole different volume for a different time. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Matthew, what did we learn this week? We learned that Lightning Lass, or excuse me, Light Lass, was blonde until she got mad at her blonde sister-in-law, and so now she's a redhead again. I think we also learned that once a computer virus gets into your system, you're going to have that computer virus for life. And we learned that Starboy can grow a beard quickly, but he's a jerk. Thanks so much for downloading and checking us out this week. We greatly appreciate every single one of you who uh, listens to this show week after week. We would love your support. In fact, we actually kind of need your support in order to keep this show going. Point your browser to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Something as little as $5 a month would really help us out. And uh, so if you can do that, we're down uh, quite a few patrons uh, this month compared to last. Uh, here's a deal that I'll have for our Legion Clubhouse members. If you go and sign up for a yearly membership, you're going to pay uh, for 11 months. We're going to give you a 12th month free. 
So go sign up today. Come join all the fun that we're having over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. So until next time, I am uh, the future cosmic boy 33. <laughs> and I'm Van Kuto. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.